to the Influence Factory podcast. This program is dedicated to support professionals who have a desire to develop their digital business influence so they can navigate through a fast-paced, constantly growing digital world. We invite newcomers as well as our family of business influencers to a place to play, share ideas, questions, tips, and guidance with other thought leaders around the globe. Sit back and enjoy our program with your host, Dean Delisle, as he interviews guests. News and commentary are provided by Jackson Delisle and Monica Hacker. Power Move lessons are provided by the Influencer Marketing Department at Social Jack. And production, editing. Right, today's show is brought to you by Planable. Planable.io gives your social media team everything they need to really move their creative process forward. It allows you to preview social media posts as they are live, real time. No more screenshots, mock-ups, spreadsheets, ah spreadsheets your clients can review content from within the platform and do you have anything to say about it monica it's a great platform we've been using it now for a month i love it um it's a game changer in the content world i highly suggest it yeah go to planable p-l-a-n-a-b-l-e dot io to start your free trial today all right this week's guest is none other than my friend caitlin Brower. She leads Sterling's social media program and strategy. For almost six years, she's been working in the B2B marketing space and making social media and employee advocacy programs strong and well-known compared to consumer brands. And, uh, and when I first heard her speak, I was just wowed and I'm like, I have to have you on my show. So Caitlin, welcome. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for that introduction. Loved it. It was great. <laughs> right. And it's, it is, are we live from New York or New Jersey today? We are live from New York City. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. And I just saw you in New York City last week. Yep. If anyone's around, let me know. <laughs> How about that social media strategy summit? Was that cool? It was great. I was thrilled about it. I was thrilled to see the list of speakers. Um, I think with marketing as a whole, you go to a lot of conferences, you see the same names, you see the same topics. I was beyond impressed with how the Social Media Strategy Summit went above and beyond. Uh, got the people that, you know, people like me that are actually leading strategies at big corporations. You know, they're the people that are getting their hands dirty so they can provide real-time, you know, strategies, tips, anything, because we're all facing struggles as marketers, no matter what industry, um, what type of marketing you're in. Um, and it's just good to have those types of people. And like the topics was amazing as well. Yeah, it was uh, super cool. And you and I, didn't you and I meet at uh, MDMC? We did, yes. In St. Louis, right. We okay. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's Another great conference. I, I was know. so impressed with that one as well. Yeah, I know. So two great conferences. Look at that. Yeah, and many more to come, hopefully. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, before we dig into your story, you have an interesting podcast that you host or hostess. <laughs> I'm fascinated with that. So I got to start there. Yes, I do. Um, So in my spare time, it's actually every Wednesday night, um, I do host a podcast. It's called The Real Football Fans of New Jersey. I do it with my best friend. Um, We talk about professional football, college football, and we also talk about the real housewives that's on Bravo, every franchise. Um, A lot of people just always heard us talk about football, talk about this, and they were like, you know, you guys have great chemistry. Like, you know what you're talking about. You're really smart with sports, with, you know, real, like, I don't know, like, real-time shows, things like that. Um, they were like, why don't you do, like, do a podcast? Like Everyone just kept telling us, do a podcast, do a podcast. So it was a, a Facebook Live show at first. Um, it still is. So we do give you like a live interaction, like similar to what we're doing now. Um, and then we take the audio and turn it into a podcast for because a lot of our listeners do listen on replay when they're commuting, you know, on the road, things like that. 
Yeah, that's super cool. And yeah. then uh, because you like wine so much, do you drink wine? Is there wine involved? We do. So that's like another part of our thing. Um, we have wine glasses with our logo on it. Um, oh, we're that's always, cool. Yeah. Um, so shout out to my co-host for that. She She's always buying us great merchandise that we can showcase. Uh, but yeah, we um, another thing we bond on is that we love wine. Um, I like white wine. She likes red wine. So it kind of works. Um, so you're always going to see a red and a white on the table. Um, I'm probably drinking water tonight. So if anyone sees that, so I've got a busy day tomorrow. But <laughs> And your favorite wine is? I'm a Chardonnay drinker, so a big fan of Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. So ah, I like a good Melbeck. Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to reds. Um, I do like to try them. I think they're a little easier to try. Um, I'm not a huge like sweet wine person, so I think a lot of whites can, can veer down that road. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I like if I'm uh, if I if I want to do the cool, you know, I I like uh, any Pinot Grigio. I mean, it's almost hard to mess that up. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. An easy grape to crush, so it's like whatever. yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. And then we found out that you're an Orange Theory member. I am. So the reason why I'm probably having water tonight on my show is because um, Orange Theory does this thing called Hell Week um, and it does start tomorrow. Um, so it's eight intense classes, like more intense that you've ever done before. So I start tomorrow and go all the way up until Halloween. So I need to have my body and my mind ready for that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, so you've been in this business for about six years, and maybe maybe give us a little background how you got started and and what what attracted you to what you're doing today, and give us a little breakdown of how you got here, and just take us through that little journey if you could. Yeah, so of course. So almost six years ago, I graduated from Susquehanna University, a small liberal arts school in Pennsylvania. Um, I played lacrosse there. I was in a sorority and I was also an English literature major. Um, and on the side, my minor was publishing and editing. So I've always been a writer. Um, I've loved writing since I was very young. I love reading. So um, English lit was just, you know, the, the right road for me to take. Um, but one of the questions I always had for my four years of college was, you know, what am I going to do with this degree? Um, so that's when publishing and editing came into the play. I was like, I probably have a better like career opportunity if I get like those skills into the mix. And everyone was just like, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a teacher. But I knew from, I didn't, I've never wanted to be. A lot of people in my family are teachers. And I just, I knew I just did not want to be my a teacher. My parents were teachers. Absolutely. I, it's a great profession. It's just something that I don't, th I give them a lot of credit. I don't think I could do it. Um, so I just knew I would. So I was thinking, um, you know, near the end of my college career, like, what am I going to do? So I was just looking at jobs just to see what was out there, what were people asking for and things like that. So I actually found that a lot of marketing jobs were asking for strong communication background, strong writing, um, English, and they were asking for English uh, majors, things like that. And I was like, okay, like maybe this is a route I go. Never really thought about it um, <laughs> like that. But I, um, so I ended up applying to Dun & Bradstreet for an internship, a post grad internship in the marketing field. And I got it right away. Um, it was like one phone call and they just, I, I couldn't deny it. I was like, I have a job before I even graduated college. That's great. I'm not going to say no. So I, I went on. Um, it was a part of marketing and they were building up their social media strategy at the time. They hired a new CEO and a new CMO and they were like, listen, we need social media. We need to be in that space. So it was definitely the right place at the right time. And I made um, <clears throat> the best of it. So over five and a half years there, I went from intern to leading their global social media and employee advocacy and program. And how much time was that? It was about five and a half years. <laughs> 
So I um... <laughs> you go to global, right? So you go from intern to global. So those of you yeah. interns out there listening. Oh, yeah. I um I can't stress that enough. I I do talk a lot to to interns um, and to people that even people that are graduating college and not sure if they should you know accept an internship over a full time job. I mean, you really need to go into what you love. And I found that I loved social media marketing, um, and then employee advocacy came a little bit further down the road. That wasn't always a part of um, my job description, but now it is. Um, and now I'm an expert in both fields, and it's something that I'm truly passionate about for sure. Now, were you uh, throughout college, were you really in the social media? Was that sort of part of who you were? Or were you sort of not as much? Yeah. So it's actually, that's when things like really started moving. Like it was such a good time for my generation because that's when social media was becoming big and people right. like Instagram came out my sophomore year of college, wow. I think. Um, so that's, but then as I was going to graduate, that's when businesses were really taking advantage of it. Businesses had accounts, sure, but they weren't putting strategies behind it. They weren't, you know, putting dollars behind it. They weren't having dedicated people, teams managing all of this, um, partnering with other departments, things like that. Um, so I think I really entered the market at such a good time. So I'm, I'm really um, grateful for that for sure. Yeah, that's super cool. And then, you know, and then you uh, discovered advocacy. Was that something that they started as an initiative or did you discover it out there and go, hey, we need to do this? Yeah, so they actually brought it on, um, and it was more so we just needed to get our community active on social media. Um, I think they were looking internally and externally as well, so also looking in the influencer marketing space and just, you know, how can we do this and things like that. As a business, they had a big partnership with LinkedIn, um, so we brought on LinkedIn Elevate. So when, um, and it was more so community engagement, that's what they were thinking of. They weren't really thinking of employee advocacy, even though it is an employee advocacy platform. Um, so it was managed by another team. It then came over to my team, but I was not managing yet. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, with some changes, I took over the program. And it was super exciting because while I was involved with the program, I didn't um, see be everything behind the scenes, right. how it um, operated and things like that. So when I took management over, I was like, there's so many opportunities with employee <laughs> advocacy. I made like a hundred changes to the program, like seven days into owning it. And I was like, wow. there's just so much you can do. Um, with an employee advocacy program. Well, and I think what's um, confusing and LinkedIn has done this is, you know, all of a sudden they'll be like, hey, you should upgrade to premium. Oh, mm -hmm. you should go to Navigator. And then all, all of a sudden people are like, what's Elevate? And I think people yeah. get confused of how does, so, so do they work together well in your mind, you know, the Navigator and premium and Elevate? Absolutely. Um, especially if you're looking at your sales force, um, you need to, and I mean your sales force, not the company sales force. <laughs> I know people can get confused by that. Um, so look at your sellers. Um, you, that is a huge asset for a business. And it's not just, you know, we're as much as like cold calling is still a thing and, you know, getting in front of clients and trying to upsell them as a thing. You really need to be out on social media and showcasing your expertise, showcasing that you're a human and showcasing your brand because I'm more inclined to, buy something from Joe that I know who he is. He likes right. sports on the side. He likes uh, sharing things from entrepreneur. He, this is the company he works for. Oh, wow. And their company has a great presence on social media. I'm more inclined to talk to him, answer a LinkedIn message and buy something from him than someone who just contacts me out of the blue. How did they get my information? How right. things, and there's so many ways where you can get it, but 
so yeah, so they do work seamlessly. And we found uh, when I was really heavily managing an employee advocacy program, we did find that Elevate and Navigator worked side by side. So our sellers were a navigator. They did have premium accounts and then they also joined Elevate and they just found it so successful and they were more comfortable on social media than they had ever been before. And, you know, did you feel like that, um, that sort of helped you c control some of the content or even maybe go one step further and assist them to have good content to share? Yeah. So it's, it was amazing to see. So um, it's easy for like, professionals like ourselves to go out and be like, you have to be on social media. You have to be on social right. media. You know, I don't need a tool like Elevate personally because I know how to manually post to my accounts, what to post on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything like that. But other people don't really understand the landscape. So that's where a program like this comes into play. And owning that content um, and controlling that really makes sense. But you see the development and you see the growth of people that join a program where in six months, in such a short time, they can be actually going out out and doing their own thing while also being a part of your program. And it's so great to see that because they're starting to get comfortable. Um, they're starting to know everything and they're starting to, you know, really make an impact and grow their personal brand. So I do like controlling the content because you want to make sure that um, people are following, following policy, following guidelines, and it's not enough to just put a social media policy in, in front of your employees' faces. That scares them sometimes. Oh my gosh. Right? It's, it, and they don't want to be on, they log out of their LinkedIn and they're like, I can't, I can't, I can't post anything. They, they told me this, they told me that. With the advocacy program, there is no, it, everything's there for you. Yeah. I approved it already. There you go. You go send out these 20 pieces of content because the messaging there, the visuals there, and it's all approved. So now in this, um, you know, in some places, I think, um, you know, how do you tactically make sure that there's enough variety or voice coming from the employees yet you also maintain control? So, you know, if, if I'm sharing and I go to the library and I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, this is there for me. It already tells me what to say and everything like that. So how do you set it up so we're all not saying the same thing? Yeah. So this is important because I've seen companies do advocacy so wrong because they, uh, 50 employees go out and it's the, it's a title of an article. It's a stock photo and it just, it looks awful. Um, so you can tell that they're using a program. You can tell like someone just emailed 50 people, the same link, things like that. Um, so what's important is that you get a ver variety of people providing content and messaging. So one of the biggest changes I made when I took over a program, one person was getting content content and getting images and making messaging. And I was like, no, 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 this cannot be a thing. Um, and it was a little bit of a, like a, a test for me, um, being like social media marketers understand it's hard to give up control sometimes and be like, oh yeah, sure. Like I'll take your advice, your opinions. It's a little hard. We we're very, um, we like to own things ourselves. So, but this was somewhere where I was like, I'm going to lose my mind if I'm the only person doing this and it's not going to be effective. So what I did was I went from one person to getting content to 30 people in oh, less than like wow. 24 hours. Okay. And those individuals are your content marketers. They are your comms and PR professionals. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, some other people in marketing that you just know have communi good communication skills. Um, your subject matter experts across your verticals, your business units, things like that. So you get a good group of people in there and you train, you do train them heavily. So they know what the rules and the guidelines are. 
And this is good because you get 30 unique voices that are coming yeah. up with messaging differently. They're using different hashtags or doing things like that. And then also having a lot of topics where the content flows into. So uh, the program that I managed had about 20 different topics and it was up to the user to decide what you wanted to subscribe and unsubscribe to. So some of them were only five, they just wanted to see content, leadership content, culture content, marketing and sales content, or some people wanted finance content. They wanted right. business and industry news. So that's how you, you work around people seeing different stuff. And I don't think at one point it ever looked like the company I was working for had an, a program. It looked that's like cool. 700 employees were just going out and being active on social. So you had 700 on there. Yeah. <laughs> that's that had to be interesting and so yeah. <laughs> um well you know and here's another thing too and this is just because we train on this and it's a pet peeve of mine and that's why we developed the training but um we have seen a lot of uh employee advocacy programs even before they roll out the people that they select i don't think they set them up for success and they don't teach right. them about their personal brand and how to tell a story and how to have an accurate profile i mean we've gone and seen this firsthand where we'll score companies. And I mean, sometimes only about three to eight percent of the people even have current up-to-date profiles. Yeah. I mean, you had to see this too, right? Absolutely. And so that's why I love, I've seen employee advocacy sit in other departments and other companies. And I've seen like how it works in, in my opinion, in a perfect world, it sits with social media marketing. They, right. the two of them are complete, um, complete partners. Um, they complement each other because what you just said. So what stems from, Hey, please join my employee advocacy program stems to, okay, I'm going to look at your LinkedIn profile while I have you on the phone and here are some changes or you're onboarding a team of 30 people. Right. And it's like, okay, here's employee advocacy. This is, how you use a platform like Elevate, but then here's how you should be conducting yourselves on social media. This is what it should look like. You know, as the manager of your programs, your profiles need to be up to snuff. So you always show that as an example um, or any other influencers in the market. Um, and so that's how it does tie together. So it's not, you can't bring someone onto a program and not set them up for success um, visually from their personal brand as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things you said in your presentation in New York that I really loved is um, don't make them do it. Yeah. You know, they, they can't be hostages. <laughs> no. So that's like the biggest thing too. You want to, um, and one of the biggest things too, I said in my uh, presentation, you know, is encouragement. This is, you yes. need to just encourage people to be active. If they're not going to be active, they're not going to be active. You right. cannot force someone to be active. So if someone joins the program, it's not like, okay, you just joined five seconds ago. We're going to walk through everything. You give them the option. So it's like, okay, great. Cause you can get someone that is socially savvy joining your advocacy program and they just want to go and run with it. They want to test things out themselves. They already know how to use LinkedIn, Twitter. They can write their own copy. They want to do their own thing. That's fine. That's an active participant that you don't want to throw out of your program. But there are some people that do need a lot of help. So when someone does join, it's like, okay, great. I can set up some time now for me to walk through the platform. I can give you some tips, things like that. And if they say yes, they do. If not, then, then that's that. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so how do you... Um, did you work, did you have incentives and things like that too? Cause you know, you can have leaderboards and you can have scoring and all that, that, that sort of thing. Where did you go with that? 
part of it. Yeah, so you need to keep the community engaged. So you need to constantly be talking to them, letting them know if there's new updates, letting them know that you're there to help. Here's a training video, here's guide, everything like that. Just constantly, because your face is behind it and they'll only contact you if they know who you are, what you look like, things like that. Um, so just always being in communication, but then also, yes, incentives. That gets people, you'd be surprised at how competitive people are. They're like, <laughs> if I send out 300 tweets in the next month, like I'm going to win this water bottle, things like that. Right. Um, so obviously it, it ties back to budget sometimes, um, but there were some unbudgeted items that um, we looked at too. So things like having lunch with a leader um, or just having a one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation with them. Um, you can, there's something like I, I heard one time, like plant a tree in your honor, things like that. Like it's just, really? it that's cool. yeah, yeah. It doesn't I'll always, buy you a star. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't always have to be, um, and it, it will be a lot of like your standard corporate branded items, but go for the big ones. It don't do like a, a pencil or a pen do like the big things. We did hoodies, like zip up hoodies. Oh, wow. People loved them. It was, where can I get a hoodie? And I was like, well, you need to be on our leaderboard in the next month. And they were like, okay, great. Um, but make sure the contests are varying too. So not only contests, but have like refer and receive programs. So oh, if yeah. um, you ask someone to let me know, I had uh, an individual refer 30 people. So she like won, obviously. So it was, and they were all active. And so it's like, great. Um, and then she for put her in charge of recruiting. I, I know. It's like, can you go out and get me 30 more people? Yeah, right. um, and then for contests to make it different. So it's the most shares in a month. It's the person who got the most reach from one of their posts, the person who got the most engagement, someone who moved up from 50 on the leaderboard to in the top 10. You really need to mix yeah. things up because if it's the same thing month over month, people are going to start getting bored. And if it's like, I didn't reach the share count, I'm not going to reach it in three months. I'm just going to stop. But if you mix things up, um, again, people get very competitive, especially sales, sales teams get very competitive. <laughs> so keep those people engaged. So it's good. So one of the things, and this is something I struggled with just because, you know, like you, I was basically in this advocacy thing from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, it's like you have the leaderboards, you have incentives, but there's also, you and I always talk about on the social media side, it's best to be genuine and authentic. Mm -hmm. and, and so sometimes I find that that's a hard balance to keep people motivated, provide incentives, oh, and be authentic, not just go for the numbers, you know? So how did you deal with that? Yeah. So this was, um, prior to me taking over the program, I felt like individuals didn't know who was really running it. They were in a platform and they just used this platform that just sat on their LinkedIn homepage um, and referring to Elevate, like another program or just, you know, I've heard other stories just like um, from industry. Like I just, I got emails that here's a social post and post it. You need to humanize yourself. So what yeah. I started doing was letting the community know about me. Um, my first email out saying that I was taking over the program was a picture of myself and I explained who I was, what I liked things like that for things like when it was Halloween I showed them what I dressed up as and I asked <laughs> them to reply back to me with what they were for Halloween um, when I was on trainings I was making sure my face was there um, in person meeting so if I trained you last week and you were in New Jersey or New York, let's talk, let's meet each other, always being available to your audience so you having an open door policy so that really helped people be a little bit more genuine and it really helped the program, you know, get a lot better because, you know, there was a human running it. There was someone that was there to help you, not just throw this tool on you. And there you go. That's it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, I think one of the other things is uh, letting people know that it's okay to be human. So, so yeah. on that uh, note, I'm assuming that in your training, did you weave in the things that, okay, you don't have to just use our platform, but here's things you can do that are, you know, legit. Here's the boundaries, here's the guidelines, and here's what we recommend. Did you allow some of that go, to go on? So I think the most important thing when it comes to employee advocacy, especially when you're training, because um, I think everyone knows trainings can be a little a little boring, a little dry. Um, you really do try to make them more fun. And I, one of the biggest things was always tying back to personal brand and really showcasing how individuals are going to just have a better LinkedIn presence, a better Twitter presence with a platform, with a program like this. So just always tying it back to that and showing them examples and everything like that. So it just gives them the courage to, of course, use the platform. That's what you want them to do. You want to have success, you know, with your program, but then to be comfortable in the future to like someone else's post, engage with someone else, you know, maybe follow that CEO on LinkedIn that you never wanted to follow before because you were nervous or something like that. Write a publish an article on LinkedIn. There were so many people after joining a program that started writing, getting publications out, like that confidence just skyrocketed. So I think with, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend going over a social media policy because, again, I think that scares uh, people. Scares people um, yeah. But um, even sharing real life examples, too. So um, I would showcase how I use social media, how I use it for 50% uh, professional, 50% uh, personal. So I, lo I love that. Lead by example. Yeah. Show what you're doing. That's, again, like if you're training employees on how to have the best LinkedIn profile, make sure yours is the best profile and show them and show them how to edit, show them how to crop a picture, show them where to get the best header, what a good resume looks like, everything like that. That's cool. That's fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the boat. It's yeah. like, here's the do's, here's the don'ts. You know? yeah. In fact, in the beginning in social media, I think most of us were out there. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't. Here's what you don't do. And, and yeah. I think I think we scared a lot of people in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. I was like, here's what you yeah. do. Here's what you don't. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I also, um, did you, did you run into, and I just always think this is a natural thing. So I don't know if you know, there's a whole industry called social recruiting. Did you know that? It's a whole industry? I, I, I just think of LinkedIn when I think of that, to be honest. And, right. And there's, a, and there's conferences. And so I didn't know, but Brianna's yeah. group, GSMI, has two social recruiting conferences and it's global. And wow. people fly in from all over the world mm -hmm. and they've got jackets on. We're the social recruiting team. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like a thing. And I yeah. was like, what? Where have I been? Mm. You know, and this, I started it checking into this five years ago. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, well, if you have advocacy and you wire those networks up properly and you get real brand champions, that's almost like the ultimate recruiting engine, right? Oh, absolutely. Social media and advocacy are just prime for showcasing your brand, your culture, your people, and, you know, a social media strategy and an advocacy strategy that's what you need to be doing. Of course, you need to talk about the business, your products, your solutions. You're out there trying to make sales. You're trying to prove bottom line. I get that. I get it. Trust me. That's, you know, the, the, both of the, um, both programs are very powerful in doing so in, especially for marketing, getting marketing to be a business driver. I get that. But what is also going to drive business is getting the best of the best people to work for your company. And that's why you need to 
brand it out online. Yeah. You need to showcase your culture, show things like your office space. That's easy for people to click with immediately. Showcase employees. If there's a one-on-one -on -one interview, if there's a written interview with a picture, you can be like, wow, like I'd actually, I'd get along with that person. They have a lot of similar interests in me. They, everything like that. So it's super important to, um, to showcase not only, not just job postings. Yes, that's important, but lead up to the job post. So yeah. talk about everything people related and then lead up to that because you're really, you know, packaging that up. What does your company stand for? Who works for your company? What drives the company? And then here's five job openings that we have. Are you interested? Good. So <laughs> that's super cool. So when you say, I love this part because I work with some cultural development companies, you know? And so I'm mm -hmm. like, you have no idea if you just humanize the brand and, and socialize the culture that can help make a shift in itself. And I don't think, yeah. I think people scratch their head and go, what do you mean? You know, and it, it, is there any other way for you to like break that down, how you went through it or how you saw it happen before your eyes? Yeah, I think um, there's multiple ways where you can, when you, you can go about it um, and you really need to, um, I like like day in the life kind of posts. Like those oh, yeah. are some of my favorite um, showcasing people from across the board. I know sometimes people want to stay away from executives, but why it's, you want to actually, you know, pick their brains too. You want to understand what is the actual day in the life of a CEO, a chief marketing officer, things like that. Um, someone like a chief technology officer, I'm not in that space. I'd like to right. know what their day to day is, but then also getting the perspective of an intern as well, a contractor, um, a full-time employee, someone who's been with the company for 30 days, someone who's been with the company for 16 years. Um, so that's why I like the employee showcase and like the day in the life post, because you really do get to understand um, the industry, the business, what are their products and solutions? What are these people like just as people? Like how are, are they professionally? How are they outside of work? Everything like that. Um, I saw, I've seen that done really well across B2B brands, B2C brands on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Twitter, um, no matter what the platform is, I've seen it done really well. Um, I've cool. done it before. And um, one of the things at, you know, at my old job, I was actually on one of the videos where it was like a life kind of video. And the amount of people that just came up to me after that, whether it was internal or external. And it was just like, wow, like that was amazing. Like it's so cool. Your company's doing that. And it's true. Um, and then it could be other simple things too. Like how do you guys celebrate holidays? What are you doing for, yeah, for nice. this holiday? Things like that. Um, and it can be a you know, broad spectrum. I've worked for two global companies, so there's a lot going on out there. Um, a lot of culture diversity, which is great. You learn a lot. It doesn't just have to be a party every time. It can be a learning session. So showcase that online. What are you doing, um, you know, to educate your employees? Um, and then to like, you'd be surprised with how insane, like how much engagement, like office space pictures get. I know, right? People <laughs> love that. It's like, wow, my office doesn't have that. Or if you're in an office like the city, like I'm looking around right now, our views are amazing. So showcasing that. So what would it be like to actually work there? You need to go out and get your potential new hires to envision what it's like to work for your company. Yeah, I just talked to a company this morning and I've, I've you know, sort of been, uh, harping on them for the last four years to get, you know, some sort of a digital presence. And now they're growing yeah. massively. And they're like, we can't get recruits to stick here because they don't see any evidence of who we are on the internet. Yeah. It's like, we don't almost don't exist, but they're a tech company. You know? Right. So I'm just like, you have no idea. So many people are living this problem mm -hmm. where they're not really 
you know, like you said, living their culture online. Yeah. Yeah. And you definitely have to, because it's just as important as, you know, promoting a product, promoting a demo, things like that. Yeah. Did you, um, did you get into, so like, um, you know, we, we take uh, sort of the advocacy pool and then we'll select what we call our influencers or thought leaders, if you will, mm-hmm. and sort of give them a little more advanced, you know, so they're the folks like you that are speaking at conferences yeah. and, and really leading the brand out there and, and they become the sort of the notable folks. And so, what was interesting is at Microsoft, we worked with uh, Mary Rodriguez over there. And mm-hmm. so when they She's started, great. yeah, she, they started, um, you know, in social media. And so we talked years ago about teaching employees to be storytellers. And now she's like the head storyteller yeah. of Microsoft. Like who would have thought that would be a role? Right. right? What are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be the head storyteller at of Microsoft. Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> and That's so, great. And so um, I think that is such a missed art that we don't yeah. help uh, people tell their human story, you know, about yeah. who they are and how they got there. What do you have to say about that? So I actually have two recommendations um, and they kind of, they can um, spin together um, depending on where you are um, with, you know, social media advocacy at your company or depending on what company you're at. Um, so I always like to split up ambassadors and your executives um, and your executives can be, you know, executives, senior levels, general managers, things like that. Having a portfolio support for them. So they might be in your advocacy program, but you need to give them, they're the face of your company. You need to give them a little more love. So looking at their profiles, what can they be doing better? Let's come back. Let's do a 30, 60, 90 day plan. This is where I want to see you in 90 days on social media. Let's circle back. Let me help you with some messaging. Let me, you never take over an executive's profile. I don't recommend that. Um, But, you know, help them, guide them, support them. Always be there for them because they're the ones, they are the face of your brand and you want Want them to be the face of your brand. So just giving them that little extra help. Um, and then your ambassadors, those aren't always your executives. They can be, um, but they could be people, someone like me where I'm not, you know, an executive, I'm not a senior leader, but I go out and speak on behalf of um, companies that I work for. I, I talk about social media marketing. I talk about employee advocacy. So how are you helping those individuals? So if they're writing thought leadership for your company, if they're hosting webinars for your company, going to events, whether they're for the business or for um, personal branding, Right. How are you helping them? Are you assisting them with certain messaging, making sure um, they have their proper profile set up, they're going out and they're getting it out there and things like that, just giving them support. So it could be the same bucket if your ambassadors are your executives in your senior levels, you bring them together. Um, but if they are different or you just have more people that are not that high level, um, being your SMEs and thought leaders and things like that, um, you just give them that extra support. Yeah, for for God's sakes, people, don't don't tell your executives it's an executive briefing. It's it's human <laughs> experience, right? So yeah. I've seen some of you like, so for this week, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, the state of the union. I'm just I know, like, yeah. I'm just like, no, <laughs> I don't even want to do business with your brand anymore. Right, right. <laughs> You've ruined the brand. <laughs> the logo did all that. Why are you doing that? <laughs> Bring me the human guy. Where's the humans? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing, too. You're just trying to make, you know, everyone talks about humanizing the brand. So what a better way to do that than I getting people. I thought I people. just talked about that. I thought that was my thing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so I want to I want to take it small for a minute because I don't want people to think, oh, I'm I'm a global brand. Uh, this isn't for me. So I just want people to really realize that everything that we're saying can be done, even if you're a solopreneur, if you're a oh, shop yeah. of three people, it's something that you could start like right now. In fact, mm -hmm. I was at a talk last night um, uh, at a, a local uh, group. It was uh, a group uh, sponsored by the city of Chicago, and there were all. It was a startup program for all these entrepreneurs to start their business. So it's like an eight-week program, and I happened to be inserted when they're all telling their elevator pitch. So all of them stood <laughs> up and gave their pitch, and some of them had index cards, and some of them didn't. And it was just so cool to see that moment of them, you know, giving spark to something. Yeah, but all but. All of them but one left one key element out of the story of their brand themselves. I said, I said, yeah. you guys are the founder. Mm -hmm. And so many founders are in the back room or they, right. they conceal the story. And the first thing I want to know when we walk into a brand, and again, I don't care if it's five, fifty, one, five thousand, I'm like, how did this thing start? What's the, there's yeah. got to be a story here. Yeah. And who's the person? Is he alive? I want to talk to yeah. that person. <laughs> yeah, no history and telling a story. A lot of people do miss on that. I think some people back off of their history sometimes because maybe they don't want to date themselves. They don't want to even showcase that they've only been around for a little while. But why? You need to talk about your history. You need to talk about your story. Caitlin, I physically used punch cards in this lifetime. No time travel involved. So there you go. I put it out there, people. Yeah, it's, but that's interesting. It's, I know. Every story is interesting. You're like, is it true that if you drop the tray, it's over? <laughs> I know, but it's like, but it's like, it's like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, I think, I think it's cool. And I think we need to keep it fresh and fun and things like that now, yeah. you know, so that's all the fun, cool stuff. So have you ever seen, you know, anything legal come out of this, you know, cause everybody like goes to the fear factor, right. Of like, Oh my mm -hmm. God, you know, especially cause I came out of Merrill Lynch and compliance yeah. and banking and I just like, Oh, don't do this, you know? Yeah. Well, um, so organizations that I've worked for, um, you know, over the past six years, um, you know, very regulated, very um, not your traditional brands where, it, and I think too, like I, I've worked for two B2B organizations. Um, it's a lot harder. Um, consumer brands, I'm, there's a lot of legalities behind consumer yeah. brands, but they look at accounts like Wendy's and things like that. They get away with everything. Right. Um, and it's just I can't believe they're bashing each other when we were, I, I don't know if you sat in on that session, but they're literally social yeah. media accounts are firing at each other. I'm like, oh my God, why are you guys doing this? I'm yeah. Sorry. And it's just not, um, it's not, that's not applicable for a B2B organization. No. So that's why I've always been um, more inclined to B2B organizations because it's definitely more of a challenge. Um, there's a lot more strategy involved um, and there's rules that you have to follow and that's fine. I think that um, I've never really run into um, any major legal issues. If anything, the legal team has been my friend for a very long time. With, with how you approach things, with really um, understanding the organizations that you work for, um, it's not that they're always telling you no. They're actually there to help you understand why, you know, the answer is not always yes, and that's fine.
online. Um, you need to find your answer, yes, as a social media marketing professional. Um, and you know, it's, it's also educating that team as well of how social media marketing is in real time. It's happening right now. You can't really wait for something that's you know going to take a couple of days. Like it's got to be right now. So what can we do to approach things in the real time? Um, but no, I've never. Um, I've really never faced that that many issues. I know a lot of companies are scared to be out on social, but it's also 2019. Like your business needs to be on social media. I don't care if it's on five platforms or one, like you just need to be out there because it's a digital front door. When people think yeah. of a brand, they go to social media immediately. Of course, they'll go to Google too, but nowadays it's more more popular to Go to Twitter. Go to Facebook. Yeah. Is this company? Well, when, they what, Google, yeah. when they Google people anyway, or the, the it comes employees, up. It comes up. So it's yeah. There. yeah, you have to be there. You have to, you know, be showcasing your brand. So if they are have questions about you, if I go and what's your first tweet? What do you guys do? Yeah. So get rid of that reunion.com and get rid of MySpace <laughs> or at least update it. So it's yeah, nice. update your MySpace accounts. I don't even know <laughs> if I still have one. I should probably look into that. I know it's, it's, on, page, it. it's on page four of Google. I should delete that. I, yeah. I mean, I've gotten to like the weeds of Google of like page 20 and I'm like, how am I still on page 20? Well, that's the thing. Did you scan employees and like go, Hey, I don't know if you know, this is out there, but yeah. So, um, I also recommend doing that too. So, um, <laughs> if you have a, a extensive social listening program, um, you know, your name, your brand is picked up anywhere in the world, worldwide web, no matter what, even print, it can get picked up and in oh, radio yeah, right. and things like that. Um, so even just voice, right. So like on yes. this podcast, mm -hmm. right? yep. I would always just precaution like employees, like, listen, like we are listening. Um, so if you do say something, whether it's positive or negative, I can see it within five seconds of it going out. So just be careful. Um, but yes, we've, um, I've had some issues in the past as well, where even just, um, outside people have been like, do you know what your employees are saying? Have you seen this? And just kind of taking on that issue and just, you know, and that's, again, just comes up to educating, communicating with employees and just being like, listen, this is the social landscape. Um, your personal brand is your personal brand. But at the end of the day, you also have a logo on your back. You do yeah. work for an organization. So just be, be smart. Um, even though you delete a post, it can still come up. So Isn't that crazy. I know. It's scary. So I, it's not like a scare tactic. It's not to, uh, you know, push people away. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just to, you know, make sure to be, be safe, be smart. And, and I would say, uh, even at, at its simplest level, at least set up a Google alert with your name. So yeah. at least if stuff pops mm -hmm. up. You and always can't... Google yourself. Yeah. I do it at least once a month. Just That's what case. we say We in our class. We say at the first of the month when you're changing your filters and all this other stuff, just Google yourself. Quick, just put it in Google the search. Schedule yeah. an appointment to Google yourself. So yeah. you at least remember once a month. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, as always, I learn so much from you in this and I, and, and I, and it helps me to validate that I'm not just like, oh my gosh, am I on point here? And I love the fact that you've been <laughs> That's good. in it, you've implemented it and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I know uh, you and I, before the show talked about a couple different show uh, uh, platforms, like everyone's social. We talked to Gaggle mm -hmm. Amp out in New mm -hmm. York. Um, any other tools out there um, around this that could help support what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so for social media marketing, um, one of my favorite tools is Sprinkler. So it is an enterprise tool, but it's an end-to-end -end management tool. You can, you, you could do everything on it. You do your scheduling, you, your analytics, their social listening is absolutely incredible. Um, 
And didn't they just to, yeah. put in an influencer piece in there too? They did. It's um, it was a part of their listening um at first, I believe, but now it's its own section. Um, yeah. so they're you know, ramping up efforts there. Uh, your paid advertising, your customer care, it's all in one platform, and it's truly an amazing platform. Um, I really did enjoy working with the Sprinkler team. The tool is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, for content production, um and management, a tool like NewsCred, that's really important and that's yep. super helpful. Um, and then, yeah, for advocacy, so you have those two that you mentioned then also LinkedIn Elevate. So that's one of the platforms I'm very familiar with as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it really, you know, my biggest piece of advice, and I said this to a couple people at um, the Social Strategy Summit because they didn't, they were torn between advocacy platforms and then I hosted a, a B2B marketing roundtable after and people were torn on social management tools. Right. My biggest piece of advice is demo and talk to reps at like every single platform. There's a lot out there, but it's worth your time because you're going to look into pricing. You're going to look into, you know, what are the goals of your company? What is like layout look like? Cause I've had a tool like sprinkler that I loved the layout. I loved the user experience. And then I've had other social management platforms where it's literally the same thing, but it's, you just don't get the same experience and yeah. you need to talk to the people. You need to understand who your reps are going to be. So that's always, and for advocacy, there's a bunch of tools out there as well you really need to understand what your company needs, what you need if you're the person behind the screen, right. um, how you work, your processes, um, the types of little um, like gadgets that you need to be plugged in, everything like that. Um, so just demo as much as you, their demos are free and you might right. get bombarded with emails afterwards, like, but that's fine. Just demo every single product that you possibly can. Yeah, and a little cheat sheet too. So for those of you that are new at this or you have a lower budget, you can actually take the feature set of any one of those platforms mm -hmm. and just make an Excel spreadsheet and check the boxes too. So if there's yeah. certain features that are important to you that you must have, and make sure you go for those first, you know, it could be whatever, you know, but think about all the different aspects that people go, we do this and this and this and this, and just make an easy grid form and mm -hmm. check the boxes. And, and like Caitlin says, do as many demos you know, yeah. as you can. Mm -hmm. and learn from it. So, uh, so listen, thank you so much. This was amazing. And what thank we you. say, what we say is we want people to have at least one action from this. So everybody here has learned something, including myself. And um, we want to encourage each and every listener to take what Caitlin has said today. And maybe there's a way, a small step that you can take to help humanize yourself or your brand, or your organization, or maybe you're the thought leader that then goes and starts this program. But uh, look, you know, follow Caitlin. Caitlin, where should they uh, connect to you on social? What's the best uh, best platforms? Yeah, so um, the best three platforms to connect with me are uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, just Caitlin Brower. Um, I wear a red dress in my picture. You can't miss me. Um, I'm actually wearing the same. I, dress in every single picture. So I did that on purpose. Everyone knows it's me. On uh, Twitter, I am at Caitlin Brower underscore. And then on Instagram, I am kbrower5. And then I also have a website, uh, getsocialwithme.net. So yeah. And no mm -hmm. middle initial. No middle. I don't have a middle name, so <laughs> you'll never you'll never see that. It's just Caitlin Brower. <laughs> <laughs> just Caitlin. 
Right. Just, Caitlin yeah. Brower, yeah, just one day it'll I'll get a middle name. So nah, you don't need one. They're overrated. <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're rated. I like overrated. to say that. <laughs> right, cool. Um, and then we always have one winner in our audience that we always like to pick. And I'm hoping I'm gonna pronounce this winner uh correctly. But our winner this week of a Starbucks gift card, and the thing behind this is making sure that what whoever wins this, and, and actually for all of you. Whoever you care about, take them for coffee, take them, take them for a lunch and, and share with them what you learned here today, how it inspired you and how they could maybe benefit from it. So really take what you learn and teach it to others. But this week's um, winner is Adriana Maniscalco. Oh, Adriana yeah. works with me. Oh, does she? <laughs> <laughs> so she'll take you, she'll take you for coffee. <laughs> so she's the winner look at that 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 was and i had no idea that where she worked or anything they just pick it for me and they tell me who the winner is yes so, adriana so adriana <laughs> you know so now you get to go teach it to somebody that doesn't know about advocacy How about that? <laughs> keep it in the family right Yes. All right. So thank you so much for being on with us. And from all of us here at Social Jack headquarters and the Influence Factory team, we really are proud to have you as one of our influencers. And we'll definitely have you on again. And thank you so much for your knowledge. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love chatting today. Yeah, you got it. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Influence Factory podcast. We welcome feedback and suggestions. You can provide these by visiting our website at www.myinfluencefactory.com. And if you are interested in Social Jack's 90 Days to Influence program, you can simply go to 90daystobusinessinfluence.com and simply ask for the next steps. While our program airs regularly on Zoom webcasts and Facebook Live on Wednesdays at noon central, we invite you to download episodes on your favorite channel, YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and who knows where else in the future. We will also provide occasional on-location live streams with special guests that we will announce in our community Facebook group, Business Influencer Alliance, as well as on all Social Jack channels. Our mission is to help you build your digital business influence with this podcast, as well as inspire, educate, and entertain those who are hungry to collaborate in a cool place with cool business professionals just like you.